Hello, it's Sean here. We're about to embark on another The Lineup, the Ultimate Fantasy Festival podcast, and I'm sitting here like you probably are wondering what psychological manholes will fall down with the next guest. We're about to find out, but before we do, let's just, to get us all in the mood, I imagine you can hear in the background the strains of my Fender American Vintage 2 1957 Stratocaster. I don't know if you know that this, this season is sponsored by Fender and I couldn't be happier. They are knocking out the best instruments of their illustrious history. And these ones, I can't help it. They're just buttery, delicious, sumptuous, tonal machines. That maple fingerboard, the sort of yellowed amber maple. It, this is a sea foam green, the colour of sea and foam. It's just exquisite. It's just something incredible. You can just put it up on the wall and look at it and salivate on it or pick it off. And even I can make it sound decent. You could make it sound special. To find out more, head to fender.com forward slash the lineup. Go on, Sean, talk to me. Always blazing. Is it that? Oh, yes, it's that one. Do a little booster. Do a little booster. Nice to be on the SZHBA4 four-channel stereo headphone amplifier. It's crisp, but also I would say that the mini jack that my headphone is plugged into is on its last legs, I would say. Yeah. It's a little bit crackly, aren't A little bit crackly. Mm. We will cope with it, but (laughs) I do feel like there's been some corners cut, and it has been noted. There's the full jack, and there's the XLR. They fucking love an XLR in a venue, don't they? You suggest a jack to someone in a venue. They go, um, have you heard of an XLR, actually? Is that the one with lots of different little pins? That's the three pin, yeah. So you have a male and a female, oh, which I always, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this will be a separate podcast, though, won't it? This this won't go out as the lineup. This will go out as the line-in. Mm, yeah. You see what I've done there? The very line nice. Very oh. nice. Just what is it that you want to do? Thank you for pressing play on this recommendation fest of premium festival music. Like being overcharged for artisanal sourdough and oat milk coffee? We hope you'll be happy indulging yourself as I, Sean Keaveney, eke out a cocktail of backstage stories, emotional life lessons and frankly outrageously good tips for a dream festival lineup. So whether you're about to jump on your commute, delay your next Zoom call or settle down for the evening, plug in, get comfy and enjoy the set. How are you guys doing? My friends, welcome. To the lineup. Oh, well, if they want to kill people in a different country, you've got to respect that. No, I don't respect that. I don't respect people being killed anywhere. When Americans ask for a cup of joe, they get a cup of coffee. When I ask for a cup of joe, look what turns up. I'm not complaining, of course. I wouldn't dare when sitting next to the absolute boss of complaining mm. well. Or should that be Hugo Boss? Just Google He's that. He's good, he's, he's good. good. It's actually Nat's intro, this one. Uh, pity the fool that didn't get... I, I always do the intro, but Nat did one, and I, it was so good, I just left it. Yeah. No, fair play. Pity the fool that engages in email warfare with this guy. You mm. might know him from Travel Man, Great British Sewing Bee, his political punditry, or caught some of his sublime stand-up, which he's been perfecting since 2007. More, 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 you scream. How do we lice it? It's Joe Lyson. Hello, Angel. How are you? <sighs> I feel like I've got the weight of the world on my, sh- on, on my shoulders at the moment, but I feel also like it's unprofessional to say that. However, with certain people, 
it's mandatory to speak the truth, and you're one of them. Well, um, I can't I hide my that. feelings. No, to you. well, let me be honest with you. Mm. I have had three quarters of a carafe of Montepulciano, so I'm not sober. Is how I describe myself. <laughs> And the other thing that's happened today is I went for a jog this morning. What? And it's uh, early December, listener, when we're recording this podcast, so it's cold out. And so I put my um, thermals on, which is the first time I've done that with a jog. And it created a very warm environment, which has resulted in an extortionate amount of ass-cheek chafing, I'd call it. (laughs) And I'm in a profound state of discomfort. Oh, God. Um... So I'm... A little bit drunk with a, with a red raw asshole. <laughs> and here we are. You so know, what, there's, I, there's the weight of the world in different ways yeah. on my shoulders as well, Sean. The weight of the world is on my shoulders and it's on your buttocks, mm. it mm. seems to me. Yeah. And I, it's what a shame that this particular podcast is sponsored by Fender and not today by Lamasil. Uh, or, or some such yeah. ointment that could probably give you some kind of. Uh, so I looked for an ointment before I left and I couldn't find one. And I found some aftershave <laughs> balm. Oh, right, yeah. And okay. I thought that would do the job. Didn't do it. It's did an it? unusual feeling. Is it a bit like when you put deep heat on a particular That's exactly part of your how body? it feels. Yeah, there's a kind of iciness to it. Yeah. Uh, talc probably would have been the way to go, but I didn't have any. Menthol. It's like I like the frisson of using a particular shower gel that's that's packed with uh, mint and menthol. Do you like those? I, I can't like them bear them because I, I like to I like to apply them to my extremities and then feel that sort of cold heat. Yeah, no, I, I don't it, like that. I find that really um, spoils the shower experience. Okay, well, okay, well, let's see. Well, while yeah. we're in the shower, though, do you prefer shower to bath? And, you know, do you use like, I don't know, a few slugs of batted ass? Do you prefer a, a bath with just with nothing in it, just water? How, do, how does your bath? I have shower? two baths in my house. Two bath house? Someone's showing off, aren't they? I, I've got an ensuite in my bedroom and then there's a kind of guest bathroom, which I did up recently and has a lovely bath in it. As the builder described it, very expensive bucket. And I love a bath and we'll have long lingering baths, which can go on for legit hours. So you'll just keep putting a bit more hot water in? More hot water, yeah. Oh. People say that to me, they go, doesn't it get cold? And I think, what an amateur. I know, you've got this very simple way of warming it up is to put some more warm water in. Well, I've got a guy downstairs, I've got to put a pen on, I've got to heat up the hot water. There's a tap though, there's, there's a hot tap. water in it. It's Clown. 2022. Yes, there's a cost of living crisis, but it doesn't affect me, I'm on the television. <laughs> and so I'm in the bath and I'm having a lovely time and I like a salt I'm not a huge fan of a bath bomb. I do use them. I have been known to use them, but I find they uh, contain like some oils and it gets a bit slippery and a bit, mm, so it's a bit of a risk. So I actually just prefer like a nice magnesium salt and I will take a big jug of tea and I'll be in there for a while, iPad, smash a film on, or I'll do some emails on the phone and smash through some admin. Very, very happy in the bath. Budge up, budge up. You know, I got the tap end, that kind of thing. I'd love that. Be nice, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. So that's baths. Mm. Uh, we're not here to talk about baths. Just as before the tape was rolling, we spent fifteen minutes talking about coaxial cables. Mm. We're actually here to to record the line up, not the line in, which is mm. a festival related podcast. I'm your festival genie, and um, I make it all happen essentially because I'm the dream weaver. Uh, five acts living or dead, etc. That's the top and bottom of it. Yeah. But before we get fully into that, yeah. 
just first of all, it seems to from the outside here. I know you a bit, but quite well actually. Yeah, relatively intimately. But mm. you've had. It okay. seems like a relatively exhausting. The rumor, rumor mill will be whirring well, it will now. Be a, it will be a whir. Um, we've already talked about sharing a bath. Yeah. Um, you've had an exhausting looking few months. You've, mm. the, the show, of course, the, the live show, which I've, I've, I've actually only just managed to watch and you made me cry. More about that later. Are you filming again? Yeah. So I just filmed the Christmas special of Joe Lysett's Got Your Back, which is Joe Lysett versus David Beckham, a Got Your Back special, it's called. Christ. That literally just, we did the studio last night. Um, we'll go out, I think, next Thursday. Okay. But I don't know when this podcast goes out, so. Yeah. It's out. It's on all fours. It, I'll just say that. It's on all fours. It's out. It's, it will be out. So I'm filming that. But then, actually, I've got all of January off entirely, and I'm really looking forward to it. And off isn't really off for me. I sort of will work on other things. But uh, it's off from scheduled engagements, shall we say. So I'm not doing any filming. Uh, I'm not doing any gigs. I'm just getting on with writing and yeah. making some art and stuff like that. And lying down if I want to, just having some lingering days, because it's been a, a busy year. But lots of really fun stuff, and, and you've been very kind about the stand-up show. I've had a nice time on that. Uh, yes, taking on David Beckham, doing a bit of Travel Mans. I'm very fortunate. I've had a very nice year people have been very nice to me apart from all the people that weren't yeah well i mean there's a lot to unpack here which is what we're here for just before we do i've noticed that joe lysa is the kind of artist whom everything is a medium oh. there's a little bit of spilled water on this vinyl worktop here that you've just I managed didn't to you'd draw that. You've, you've just literally managed to do it's a not very good oh, it's just i've just wanted to turn the water into a face so yeah. i drew a face no, it's not wine but it'll do yeah. If only you could have turned it into Montepulciano, that'd have been good. I mean, what drives the work ethic, do you think? Because it would, and also, where can I get one? Just to show off, aren't I, basically? Just want people to go, oh, he's good. I like making things. I really like making stuff. And I get excited by new mediums. I get bored quickly of stuff. So I just want to make things, really. And um, I love visual arts, I love graphic stuff. Uh, I used to be a graphic designer. Well, I sort of still am a graphic designer. I still make graphic-y things, but not as much as I used to. And I make them for myself rather than for clients, I suppose. Um, but I just like stuff. Yeah. I like, I'm, I'm curious about how things are made and how they... And then once I get curious about how they're made, then I want to try making them. And I say that in a um, creative way, not in a DIY way. I put a drill near me and no thank you. But... Um, I want, yeah, I just think it's fun, isn't it, to yeah. make stuff? But you do it all the time. You're a busy boy, constantly making things and brilliant things. Well, I was fishing forward and I got it. Um, <laughs> this, this, the podcast is, as well as being about music and a bit about food and a bit about family and a bit about whatever, it's, it's also about place, right? Mm, uh, we've mm. got to place the goddamn thing somewhere in the world. Yeah. Right. Obviously, for thoughts first turn to where you come from, the West Midlands and Birmingham, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, so the King's Heath. I was going to mention Tanzania as well because I was reading that you went on a school trip to Tanzania. I did. And you went to sort of build a school out there. Yeah, I did. I went to a place we called were... Babati and Christ. we built a built a school building out there. The school was already there, but we like, helped build a um, another building there. I love Tanzania. I really like that bit of Africa. That Malawi, I went to with Comet Relief and loved it there. There's, yeah, I'd like to spend more time in Africa. I've not done loads there. I just, yeah, love. I really like it there. We went to Tatton Park uh, in Very Cheshire. Very similar to Malawi, uh, On our yeah, school yeah. trip. Yeah. And I, I still remember it. I got, <laughs> they said, bring a little bit of pocket money and you can get something from the gift shop. And I got a pencil with a rubber mm. on the end of it. That was my... That's uh, good, isn't uh, it? You know, yeah, sort of yeah. uh, 
like for like experience. Yeah. But do you, did you, did that pique your interest in altruism in in a funny way? Is that is that kind of thing that's in, informing oh. your passion for that kind of thing? You think I've never thought of it like that, and I also don't. I get a bit icky about know, it being like altruistic or whatever because yeah, actually yeah, yeah, yeah. most of the stuff I do isn't like. One of the criticisms about this thing I've done with David Beckham is that I've just sort of done it for my own, and you know, it's been a promotional exercise in myself. And I would sort of agree with that in that uh, essentially, I one of the big things that I like to gas on about is queer rights, and I do that because it directly affects me. If I wasn't queer, I probably wouldn't be as interested in it. So I sort of understand why. Other people aren't as interested in it and get a bit annoyed by it because they're like, well, oh God, this stuff, the, the gay agenda, all of that stuff. I sort of get it because, you know, if you're not that, then you probably get bored of hearing about it because it doesn't affect you. But it affects me, and so I kick off about it. So I don't, I don't sort of see it as altruism. I just see it as a, me being annoyed about people trying to kill me, <laughs> essentially. I'm like, don't kill me, please. I'm nice. I'm ever so nice. So I don't... I don't, maybe I think I think I got cross about injustice more from like seeing uh, the way my parents talked about things and the way the working world treats people and early jobs that I got where I thought oh like you've got and actually at school you've got like teachers and managers who sort of control your life and I think why who's given you the authority you're a fucking idiot why why are you in charge. Yeah, it's also nice. It feels nice to do nice things. So yeah. I sort of get, I kind of do. It's a buzz, it. isn't it? Yeah, it in is, a way. Yeah. But it is, it's complicated when we start looking into it, isn't it? Because yeah, it's it multi layered. It is, it is also what, lovely. What it is, is, I'm glad that there obviously are people out there who don't feel the same sense of injustice because they would, you know, there are people that happily murder and happily do all sorts of appalling crimes or, you know, host shows on ITV, appalling people that work there. Um, you know, terrible morals at ITV. I'm, I'm obviously being facetious. Uh, so half facetious. And, uh, you know, there are people that don't feel the same way as I do about things. And uh, I'm glad that the thing that makes me feel nice is pissing off bastards. <laughs> I'm glad that that's like a yeah. natural thing to yeah. me or, or, or that that's developed in me. I'm rather that than what makes me feel nice is making money by crushing people. But I also enjoy that. You know, it's nice to know when, you know, you've crushed someone to um, make a few quid. So... Well, we, we've got we've got a lot to circle back to, in, including don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, David Beckham, <laughs> yeah. um, amongst other things. But I've got to start. So we were talking about place. Where in the world should we put the festival? So, like full disclosure here, I hate festivals. Glastonbury can get fucked. <laughs> it's a dump. It's a dump. You saw off message. It's unbelievable. Reading and like Leeds. Uh, oh wow! I mean, if you if you're sixteen, it's carnage, brilliant. Absolute carnage. Uh, Latitude's okay, but it's a very chin strokey event, isn't it? Really, what are the other ones? There's all that. There's that yeah, Virgin yeah, one. What was that called? V99 and all v that. Fest. It's, it's, it almost sounds like something you get all antibiotics exactly, for, doesn't it? Yeah. There's a festival every yeah. five seconds in the well, summer man, these days. I could sit here. Oh. I could do it all day. And there's so much truck fest. 
getting in and out and fanning about and wristbands and accreditation. Oh, muck, God, muck everywhere, God. stinky toilets. And this thing of Glastonbury being like, hey, it's loose and free and everyone's great. There's a VIP area. It's really free and nice and everyone's chill as long as you can afford to pay for this gazebo over here. Like, like it's, I just get, I, I understand it. It's great. It's, you know, it's cool. It's whatever. But I've been, I've played Glastonbury a few times and um, I'm over it. Right. So Joe Lysett hates festivals. That could, yeah. That could be the name of the festival. Yeah. I don't like it. I find them... We have buildings. <laughs> buildings are really nice, aren't they? Heating, baths. Why st Why go backwards? Toilets. Yeah. Why, why de-evolve? I see why, what you're saying. Yeah. Why have we gone back in time to go to these festivals? It's like 8,000 BC, but... But with the stereophonics playing in the background, yeah, what's happening, it. mother? Hate it, hate it, hate okay, it. Okay, that's good. So that would so, be have established that. So uh, the location would be as close as possible to my house so I can go back to my house with plumbing and heating, you know, a nearby supermarket or a restaurant or whatever. And I'm not paying 78 grand for a dry... Bloody teepee. A dry hot dog uh, or a teepee. So there is a festival which I do quite like, just to, just to um, backtrack on that, which is the Mosley Folk Festival, oh, which yeah. is around the corner from me, and I can walk there and back very comfortably. And it's a lovely festival. It's a folk festival, so it's all very gentle. Oh. And there's no camping as far as... Well, there probably is camping for the lunatics. But you wouldn't but like, have to. Well, I wouldn't have on. to. I walk back to my house. And I've been there a few times over the years, and it's just a lovely vibe. And... Yes, I go to the VIP area. And um, yeah, I would have it in the Mosley Park and Pool where they have the Mosley Folk Festival. Is that literally like a 20 minute walk from your front door? Exactly that. Great. Yeah. Because you know, you share that uh, sentiment with Ricky Gervais, who, when he did this, it was exactly a year ago, mm -hmm. um, said almost exactly the same thing. Yeah. Something along the lines of, We are very similar. Oh, I'm just having it at the top of my street, but I just have security to keep all the hoi I out. God. said something like that. Oh, no. so in the room then. Oh, no. Have I slipped into Gervais? Mm. <laughs> I'm sure he'd remember. Shit. So, okay. It's the Joe Lysett Hates Festival Festivals, and it's, 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 in, it's essentially a 20-minute walk from your front door. Yeah. Okay. Check one. Testing. Is everybody ready yet? We good? No, then. We're going to start the festival. Just to give you uh, the, the full picture, it's not over a weekend. It's just one perfect, slightly extended day. It starts <gasps> at daybreak, the brick of dawn, and it just sort of moves, the five acts move throughout a perfect day, a perfect arc of a day, Love all the way through to sunset, and mm. then it can finish at any time, of course. So what we would ask at this point is, who's the first act that's going to be on the Joe Lysett Hates Festival Festival. First thing in the morning, crack of the sparrow's fart. Now that's interesting. So does it have to start that early? Because I'd prefer to get there about 2 o'clock. All right, 2 p.m. All right, yeah, so let's mm. do that. Yeah. So it's 2 p.m. sharp, uh, yeah. mid-afternoon. Yeah. We've had our lunch, incidentally, we usually do this a bit later in the podcast, what's the perfect food for your You Hate Festival Festival? Oh, it's got to be like, you know, one of those sort of... I'll tell you what, there was a... Um, in Latitude, there was a, a full roast in a Yorkshire. Oh, like yeah. They made a Yorkshire that you could turn into a wrap, essentially. At last, put... somebody's mentioned it, the, the Yorkshire pudding sandwich. Yes, exactly. Effectively that. what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, please. You want something that's going to slow you down, ultimately, and, get, and make you want to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> full roast 
in a Yorkshire wrap, please. So get there. God, I'm salivating. So get there, have one of those. Mm. And then about half two, I'd say, they start playing the music. Mm -hmm. Because also, the Mosley Park and Pool backs onto a actual road where houses are on. Chantry Road, it's called. It's a very posh road. Mm -hmm. The people that live on Chantry Road would be cross about music starting earlier. Would these be be the kind of people who petition the council? Yeah, they have their own newsletter on Chantry Road. It's a weird old place. They've not just got their own WhatsApp group. They've got their own newsletter. newsletter. You wouldn't want... um, Anything happening in the area that would bring the house price down, would you? No, I certainly would. Well, actually, in Mosley, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, okay. Because that's the neighbouring area. A bit round so the corner, yeah. Get, get the house prices down there <laughs> very happily. So, but I, in this instance, what I've done, because I'm the Festival Genies, I've lobbied every single household and explained to them what, what's going to happen. And they've given us, they've sanctioned extra volume for that. Fine. Well, I mean, anything can happen, basically, because uh, in the morning, because I won't be there till two o'clock. <laughs> So whoever you like, you know, maybe some local acts that's that I'm not that nice. interested yeah. in that other people can go and see. Uh, you know, some sort of new talent that I won't be interested Ooh, in. Like an open mic. You could, you could do an open, an open mic, mic if you're not going to be there. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. A nice it. open mic, you know, for the sort of stragglers, get some new talent going, but I don't have to bother with it. I'd love the I've just it's come to me. I'd love the idea of being a comedian and my uh, sort of hilarious moniker being open mic. And the idea is, is that you know I, I just get up and share. And my name's Mike, yeah, and I say I'm having yeah. a few problems mental health wise at the moment. I want yeah. to talk to you about that. That, that could work. I, I might that. try that on the open mic night. Yeah, but we, you, it feels to me <laughs> as though you're open mic. You know what I mean? I'm writing that on my hand. That's really um, funny. But you're prevaricating around the bush here because you, you, you've not. You still opening not told act. me. Opening act. Two p. Two thirty. I'm having a wrap at two. 2.30. Okay. I'm there. I'm midway in the crowd. I'm not at the front. I'm not mm. at the back. I'm midway there. So, well, back three quarters, I'd say. <laughs> and it's Alt-J, please. Wow. Alt-J. Tessellate. Mm. 2011. They open with Tessellate. I love the new album. I love the last album. I think they're really interesting and cool. And Blood Flow Part 2 is, I listen to more than I think anything else. I think it's really, uh, it's a niche old song, but it's really beautiful, I think, and cool and quite filmic and, yeah, they're clever. They are so clever because I think I've read you, I think this is your words that I'm regurgitating like a like a mother sparrow into the baby's mouth. But it's very cerebral music, mm. but a lot of people buy it or a lot yeah. of people are into it and yeah. interested in it. It's quite mainstream, but also cerebral. It's, that's two worlds that don't usually collide, it's is it? It's really clever, yeah. They're brilliant. And what the, why I've chosen them as well is that they're not like full, like rocking out huge, here we go, but they are, you, you can move to it. It's not yeah. chill out. There are some chill outy things, but like Tessellate isn't. You know, you can... You can have a little dance to it. Left Hand Free is a pop tune, isn't it? Yeah, that's a banger. Yeah, exactly. So they, they could confidently, I'm sure, play a set that will kind of start the day off. I mean, equally, you can imagine those guys doing a lovely sunset as well. You know, mm. you could put them anywhere. You yeah. could put, I actually went to uh, Maidervale Studios when I used to work at my former employ to watch Alt-J perform with uh, Jodie Whittaker, a.k.a. Doctor Who. Wow. Mm. Whoa, that's yeah. what? Yeah, just drop that in there. Jodie Whittaker was doing what? She, just just my mate. We just popped along. Just, oh, you went with her? We, she wasn't I went with her. She wasn't with Alt-J. With her. No, no, I was going to say, I was like, that's niche. Well, we could, I mean, it's a, it's a fantasy festival. We could put her on and see what happens. Yeah. You know, she's a big fan. So I'd maybe. like to see her do one number with Alt-J. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'd love, I'm glad we've done that. 
And you do one number as well, please. Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you, do you want? Is there a particular one you think I'd, uh, I'd do well with? I'd like you to do the tapping of uh, the beat in Tessellate because mm. they go bum bum, and then it goes bum. Okay. Bum, like that. Good I'd to like have a job. I'd like you to do the tap, tap, tap. Great, I'll do it. So that's great. Alt J, 2.30 straight after the Yorkshire pudding sandwich. Yeah, so we're through to what? That's now, uh, they'll do about 45 minutes set, so we're at 3.15, aren't we? And then there's sort of like a 15-minute 15 minute, 15 minute <laughs> yeah, turnaround, would you say? I Yeah, all right, let's do, no, I think we... What do they I normally think, do for a festival? Is it more like half an 45 hour? 45 minutes. I think we could start, comfortably start Act 2 at 4 p.m. Although I, I do feel that we're getting a bit hung up on, on the on the, uh, on the bureaucracy and the... Ab- uh, administration yeah. well you've got to think of these things you do yeah. you're right well also because you want to have the right music for the right time of day yes I'm glad you've I'm glad you've put some thought into it some people just turn up and they just scribble it down as soon as they sit down mm. it's the first time they thought about it mm. not naming any names just to be completely bizarre now and just move away from the Alt J and a, a field somewhere uh, near King's Heath for a moment mm. when you were growing up what was music to you what was the music that you heard in the house uh in the house would be uh i'm guessing i mean it is a bit of a guess that like mum loved quite a lot of sort of poppy folk stuff so there'd be a bits of that going on there was a song called trouble and i can't remember who what his name is trouble 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 mm. what was he? oh not ray lamontaine that chap yeah Crikey. Sure. we heard a lot of that yeah. And we played quite a lot of Sufjan Stevens mm, and uh, Fleetwood Mac and that sort of yeah. stuff in the house. So it was nice, chill out. Well, not chill out, but folky yeah. stuff. Dad had, who does Man in the Station? John Martin. Mm. He got a record player and he played me some John Martin. I loved Man in the Station. I remember just listening to it being like, this is great. Um, so there's that sort of stuff going on. Uh, so I have a, I'm a fun, I, I, I'm a fan of folk. And actually, my second act is quite sort of folk. Well, is folk. You ready? Powder dry. Four, four no, 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 no. Powder dry. Powder dry. I will give you the whoa, whoa, whoa. answer. That's the it, it, when it's requested. The ad can go in there. Uh, you know, or you know, yeah. or like a just a little bit of building music. Here we go. Mom, how you guys doing? Funnily enough, I did one of, it was not funny at all, one of John Martin's last ever interviews. Did you? Yes, I did. I went, we went to the Barbican. He was doing a, a show there and I did a little Is he brown bread now? Yeah, he mm-hmm. passed away about 10 years ago now. He wasn't in a very good way when I sort of chatted to him, but it was it was like having an audience with somebody very special. Yeah. Because he does have that otherworldly voice, John Martin, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, useful. Yeah. Well, ask about school as well, but it was just stick to that time mm. uh, of your life, you know, your those early years. What were you like, Joe, <laughs> at school? I know I've probably asked you this before, but not not in this particular media. What sort of age do you th- like? Did secondary? you like sort of yeah, prime, but sort of like late primary into secondary, becoming a teenager? Did you find school okay? Do you find it horrible? It seems that it's one or the other for people. School. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of both, really. I didn't want to be there. I was very happy to leave. I didn't ever feel like I, I was. You know, I'm a jolly person, so I sort of made the best of things. But I was never, I never felt included, and I never felt entirely included, and I never felt like um, I was normal, like I was following a similar trajectory to everyone else. Didn't feel like that really. I was off to be with the stars, darling. 
and they were destined for the gutter. Um, they were destined for jobs as lawyers and accountants in uh, uh, quite expensive firms. So, yeah, I didn't ever feel like I didn't love it. But uh, yeah, made the best of it. But also kind of wanted to show off and sang in assembly. And I did like lots of stupid stuff, basically, you know, just, just stuff to kind of go like, I'm here. Would there be art teachers or music teachers that would say, I always knew that he had it in him? Yeah, there's a bit of that. There'd be a yeah, bit of that. Yeah, 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 there's definitely a bit of that. I definitely liked to perform. So I think I was quite good fun. But also I went through a period where I'd seen Pete Burns on I'm a, uh, not I'm a Celebrity. Yeah, on Celebrity, Celebrity Big, Big Brother. Brother. And was obsessed, just thought that he was just extraordinary and loved that, like, couldn't get near him, really caustic, thought that was so impressive. And so I tried to emulate that, but wasn't smart or witty enough to achieve that. So it was just nasty to people for about six months. And I think I lost a lot of fans at school really? as a result of that. So you were trying, you were sort of trying on another person's personality. You were, in a sense, experimenting um, with your... Yeah, I remember uh, there's a chap called Rob. I said something hurtful to someone, and, and Rob, who's a lovely, gentle-natured bloke, and um, I just said something hurtful to someone, and he just said, "Who asked you?" And I thought that was so impressive, and everyone laughed, and it sort of snapped me out of it. I was like, "Oh yeah, fair play." Like yeah. nobody asked me, and I've just been slagging everyone off, and nobody wanted it. You know, I was just trying to be Pete Burns essentially. And getting it horribly wrong, uh, yeah. I, was, I remember that so vividly, and I'm so grateful to him for that. So funny that, isn't it? Things like that can do that. I'll always be grateful to Rob for that. Thanks, Rob. Little interjection. I, I was listed in the um, yearbook as uh, at the end of school as the funniest male. So they, people obviously <laughs> found me funny. So that's good. It's very difficult to talk to kids like my older kids. You know, especially my eldest, who's a teenager now, and you see all the troubles and the travails that that you went through as a kid. And it's very difficult to explain to a kid, look, you you don't have to be the same as everybody else. In fact, if you are a slight outlier, that probably marks you out as being, yeah. you're going to have a more interesting life probably. Yeah, yeah. But, and if you really enjoy school, that's not a good idea. Yeah. That's not good. Best years of your life. Yeah. It's like awful. you don't want to be that guy. You don't. No, you, you want the best years of your life to be like increasingly as you get older, <laughs> yeah. basically. No, um, I was, yeah, I'm grateful that I had the, you know, I, I have no regrets about it. But I, I do, and this only became apparent to me this year, and it feeds into the Beckham stuff, is I, I listened to a podcast I can't actually remember whose podcast it was. It might have been Annie Max, uh, with Sean Fay, who's a brilliant writer about, um, wrote a brilliant book called The Transgender Issue. Uh, Sean is trans and she writes about uh, very eloquently and uh, kind of academically about what it is to be trans in the UK at the minute. And she mentioned in this podcast about Section 28, which I knew a bit about, but not loads, and Googled it. And she's the same age as me. She's 30 and she said oh yes yeah, so it was some um, law until uh, I was about 15 and I was like she mentioned she's 34 and so that means it would have been law when I was 15 and I didn't realise just didn't know and section 28 was a law that basically said that teachers couldn't talk about yeah. homosexual lifestyles couldn't promote it couldn't mention it so all the gay teachers basically couldn't tell the kids about themselves and their home lives or any of that and all the kids who were uh, non-heterosexual basically had no information it was illegal for them to know anything about it and that was law until I was 15 and then it didn't improve in my school when I and apparently I've spoken to kids that have recently left the school and it's not much better now. Years later, there's just no education for it. So you just think of yourself as wrong. You yeah. think of yourself as um, 
dirty, illegal. You think of yourself as like a kind of outsider in this sort of weird bit of society. And that, I know that, uh, you know, the effect of that has been massive on people in my year. I know most people who were gay in my year didn't come out until after school years and years later. And, uh, and that really affected things. So, you know, I felt not like a, I, I've never felt like a straight bloke, apart from when I'm smashing puss. And, um, <laughs> I've you know never felt like your typical blokey bloke, and so just didn't you know didn't something felt off yeah. you know I felt like I'm there's something not right yeah, here. Yeah. you know I'm not I don't fit in here and I'm not being necessarily entirely welcomed I'm kind of a bit of fun on the side like it's a bit interesting like oh he's a bit different but never embraced it was a rugby school as well so we were being set up to get jobs in you know. Uh, big law firms. That was the sign of a, of, of, of a successful career, which which is great for lots of people. Yeah, you know, so but, I, you know, but like there were there wasn't any option, alternative option. It's terrifying to think that that stuff and that Section Twenty Eight stuff was in such recent history in this country, really. Yeah, and yeah. very very recent uh, history in wet paint uh, culturally, and what exactly. a retrogressive step that was. Yeah, it's crackers. And uh, little um, themes of that crop up in, in in your new show, which I don't want to I will perhaps t- touch on a little bit before the end of the podcast, but not too much because I don't want to spoil it for people. Mm. It is one of the most moving stand-up shows that I've ever seen. Oh, wow. Thanks. Honestly, would say that, and that's completely honest. But uh, Jodie Whittaker, who now has got the job, now she's finished with, you've uh, mm. done her guest slot on, uh, with Alt-J, is now effectively... At a end. Well, she's got a clipboard, and she is now sort of being stage manager, and so she's tapping the clipboard oh, with that's her a bit. Cool, she's a cool stage manager. And yeah, she's yeah. saying, it's five to four, we need to get the next act on. How are you doing out there? Are you ready for the next act of the day? Good day to you. Jeff Beck here. It's not, it's not, it's Sean Keaveney. So a little mid-episode pause to digest what we've learned already. A bask in the tonal majesty of my Fender American Vintage 2 Stratocaster. Seafoam green if you're interested. Oh. It's a 1957 reissue. That was quite the year, wasn't it? Elvis bought Graceland. Paul McCartney met John Lennon. And it was 30 years before my band Mosque formed all seismic experiences in the musical pantheon, I'm sure you'll agree. Went a bit rock and roll then, didn't I? If my noodling has inspired you at all, I, I doubt that very much. I'm not doing this incredible instrument that much service. Explore more at fender.com forward slash the lineup. Right, okay, where were we? Come on, shut up, Sean. Turn it down. That's quite Hendrixy, that. It's five to four. Who's the next act? It's Laura Marling. Oh, now you're talking about Brit folk there. Yes, a little bit of Brit folk. I just feel like we've had like Alt J to kind of get us going. They're a bit more up. And Laura Marling has some up-ish songs but she's a bit more slow gentle 
but she has the most beautiful voice in the world. And her songs are beautiful. The things she was writing when she was about four years old, essentially, <laughs> were hugely profound and poetic and brilliant. And she continues to do that. And I want to hear from Laura Marling and Mosley Folk. Uh, mostly Park and Pool at my I festival, suppose please. that's it as well do you think that most that this particular area is sort of um, folk hangs heavy in the air for that reason you know because mm. the folk festival is, is sort of maybe I wonder if the, this particular part of the West Midlands is a bit of a cultural uh, a folk centre yeah it is, is it? well yeah the is folk that why the folk there? festival is that yeah but it's very like folky as a place you know it's creative and uh, lots of kind of dream catchers everywhere. It's that sort of vibe. You know what I mean? It's, it's a little bit of... like if you if you go down to Pilton or Glastonbury, isn't it? Exactly. I tell that. you what, oh, you don't know about the ley line that goes underneath this pub. Yeah. And it runs directly. It's, it's adjacent to the river. Loads of that. And a beaten heart of Great Britain comes underneath these these tiles. What's cetera. this character called? I've no idea. It's Geoffrey, I think. Geoffrey. Yeah. Um, Geoffrey, the dream catcher seller of Pilton. Mm. So it's and a will bit he like go that. on before open mic? Or? Oh, oh yeah, that's a good point actually. He, to be honest, he's got a bit of a drink problem, right? Um, so he will be absolutely, he'll be smashed on the scrumpy by about half past ten. So you yeah. have to catch him early. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in bit... the audience for open mic, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Laura is, like you say, I think she was seventeen or eighteen when she first came onto the scene, wasn't she? Yeah. And her and Johnny Flynn were a thing together. They performed together a few times as well, uh, I think. Yeah, what's the thing? They had like a name for their little thing. Yeah, there was a little coterie oh, of yeah, um, yeah. of young folkies, wasn't there? In fact, I've got a funny little story about that. In 2009, we did a breakfast show from Alex James from Blur's house. Sure. In the Cotswolds, like you do. Uh, I got co shit on his white coach. He's never really forgiven me for it. Yeah. And at the towards the end, in the last hour of the program, uh, we finished the show with Mull of Kintyre by Wings, which Alex was accompanied by his children. It was very weird. Wow. But just before that, Johnny Flynn and Laura did a song for us. Wow. And it was very, very spectrally beautiful. I've never met her or actually seen her live, but I've heard live recordings of what she does and. I mean, the the beauty of her voice obviously yeah. translates beyond the recorded, um, as in you know, live. And um, but is she as ethereal in real life as she seems, or is she like a bit of a boozer being like, oh, fuck, you know, I'll fucking do this, fucking Blackberry Stone again, fucking hell. I think she's a uh, a folker off of Montepulciano kind of a girl, to be honest with you. I I don't think she'd have left a quarter like you. Uh, you no, no, the quarter went to a friend. I was going to say. It, it, there was no wine they just wasted, weren't, please. They, were, they just weren't drinking quick enough, were they? They weren't, no, yeah, yeah. That always bothers me. I, I drink too quick, I eat too quick. If if I'm splitting a, a carafe oh with you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got worries. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I also like that she wrote an album called Song for Our Daughter and she doesn't have a daughter. That I thought that was quite a fun little troll, actually. I mean, she wouldn't see it as a troll, but I listened to the whole album being like, oh, she must have a daughter now. And then I heard her in an interview say, I've got a daughter. She's made it up. Just made it up. Can do that. What a legend. She is. She, I, I think you, I think it would suit the, the vibe of the festival, the Joe that lies at Hits Festival festival yeah. very nicely. Let's let's talk about Beckham. Let's, let's get into this a little bit more. Mm. For those that don't know, David Beckham seems to have some close ties to the Qatar World Cup. Yes. Uh, from what we can gather. And you said that you would shred ten thousand pounds of your own money yeah. if he didn't sort of make some statement about that or, or withdraw 
Uh, yes. David Beckham withdrawing is always something I think about. Um, <laughs> what were you What were you hoping or expecting to happen when it started in your mind's eye? Did you think might occur? Uh, so basically, I saw it coming for months over the hill. I saw this World Cup coming, and and obviously, you know, people know that FIFA is a corrupt institution, and there were all these claims about them, you know, taking bribes. Uh, we sort of knew where where they stand. And I was very interested to see like how the brands that normally support them and the the people that normally get excited about World Cups, how they were going to respond to it. And gradually I read about the Beckham thing and I was like, ah, shit, we're in trouble here because we're about to normalize something that really shouldn't be normalized. And we're in danger of, you know, football is something that, as, as I've said, just historically has not been something that embraces people like me and still is way behind in its gay rights. So, you know, I like to come up with silly ways of making my points and all that. And I thought, well, how do I affect a nation state like Qatar? How do I make my point about them? And they don't care about me. I'd be surprised if anyone in Qatar has ever heard of me. It's not a country that would respect me. If I was there, they would jail me or kill me. So they don't care. Well, they obviously care about David Beckham because they allegedly have paid him. And it's not about the World Cup necessarily. They've paid him separate to that, allegedly £10 million a year for 10 years to promote Qatar. So it's not even... um, about football, really. It's just around that whole thing. And I felt that that was a misjudgment of him and his team. And I thought it was disappointing because he had done an attitude cover and various other things over the years that were in support of gay rights, but done an attitude cover in 2002, which is a year before Section 28 became not law. So was kind of part of the movement that kind of stopped Section 28 and started things being really progressive. And so it was quite important to our community and an important ally. And this move is so the opposite of that. So I was sort of thinking around it and I thought, well, actually, what does he love? He loves his status. He loves his image. So we could create a beautiful statue of David Beckham that's painted in the pride colours. We put it up on Canal Street and people could come and see it. They could have pictures with it and whatever. And I'd give him the ultimatum. I'd say, if you don't rescind, we'll destroy the statue. That was the original idea. And then somebody I told this to said, you know, James Corden has done a statue of David Beckham as a skit where he's got like a, he looks a bit weird and... So I watched it and I was like, well, shit, that's dead, isn't it? Like that idea is gone. Can't do a statue. It's far too close. And was sort of disappointed about it. Thought, I can't think of another. It was kind of getting closer and closer. And then I was talking to a friend, a brilliant artist called Imbue, who's a Birmingham artist who makes amazing stuff. And we were talking about the KLF and how they'd burnt all that money. And I was like, "Ah, money. Like people get really cross about like they were fascinating reading about the KLF and they just did it for the sort of stunt of it and I thought well actually what about if you did it for a bigger reason Mm. and then it all just slotted into place very quickly really then and I would never destroy money because it just goes against my principles really I think like it could be used for by Mm. charities for all sorts of extraordinary things could be used by me to buy Montepulciano there's all sorts of things you can do with it it's a waste so I I appreciate that artistically it's kind of cooler to destroy it but I would never do it's just not within my temperament but 
I'm quite good at pretending that I'll do things and whatever. So I thought if I can convince people and Beckham that I'm going to do it, I think it will get press. I think people will be excited by that. The man off the sewing bee is going to destroy 10 grand. It's like a mad thing. It's a bit, it's newsworthy and whatever. And it's probably one of the few ways that I'll get this message, which is I think what he's done is wrong. And then thus like creating a bit of a ripple into like the discussion about Qatar. Felt like that's the only way to go about it really. Uh, or, or <laughs> it's not the only way to go about it, but it's the, the the most interesting idea that I've had about it. And so that's what I did, really. And I thought that he, I mean, best case scenario is that he would end the deal, but that was, I knew that was never going to happen. And I knew that the chances are his, his approach to it thus far, because there's been quite a lot of press about it before I even mentioned it, is just to ignore it. And um, my guess is that that's what he will do. And so I kind of prepped the whole thing based on that's how he, he would approach it. And then, yeah, it really blew up very quickly and it was on CNN and all these different like international things. And I thought, oh, this is, I thought it'd be like interesting to the British press, but not necessarily beyond, but it was like a global thing. It's the easily the most viral thing that I've ever done. And so then I started to think, oh, maybe he will change it. You know, I got excited by it. Maybe he'll do something, you know, whatever. And then just didn't hear from him as the week went on. And so then just carried on the plan as yeah. planned, really. Pretended to shred the money with a shredder that we'd doctored. And sort of, <laughs> it's a great little clip, that. And then spent 24 hours with the world thinking that I'd done it. Yeah, I mean, my anxiety, I suffer with anxiety, and I'm very good at dealing with it now because I've uh, had brilliant therapy, but my anxiety really spiked, as you can imagine. And I had a real kind of tough couple of days around that whole time and found it really um, sort of profoundly, I felt like a snail without its shell. I felt yeah. really sort of... Exposed Exposed and vulnerable. And vulnerable. Uh, but knew I still believed in it and still whatever. And then it was a a weird relief to kind of reveal that I hadn't done it. But I also sort of felt the same way as I did when I changed my name back from Hugo Boss to Joe Lysett, which is like actually the joke and the thing is better if you stick with it. And if I'd actually shredded 10 grand, like it would have had real, it would have had like a more of an impact in some ways. But... Then so, you've really kind of ruined your life, yeah. you know. And so uh, I, um, I am glad that I did it the way I did. But like, part of me still wonders if it would be would have been more impactful if I would actually shredded ten grand. It's interesting. I watched that KLF documentary last weekend. I think it was. Uh, I still not watched it. Actually, it's, it's, it is yeah. fascinating. But one of the things that is fascinating about it, as you allude to, is is how how much it emotionally affected Bill and Jimmy yeah. to do that with the money and, yeah. and how and they did incredible things like they did like press conferences around the country talking to people about it and invited the press and stuff and it was a bit like when Bob Dylan went on tour electric and everybody just turned up to boo and everybody was so fucking angry with them yes and they understood why and they were they were visibly shaken and upset yeah. and later I think they, they, they sort of said they, regret, like, they all regretted yeah, it yeah it's like yeah. well I could have done with that for like health bills for my kids and stuff yeah. you know and, and all that stuff yeah. you know, there's a real world consequence to it exactly it's one of the reasons that you felt like a sort of snail without shell was it social media thing was it hate was it people piling in and saying and giving awful opinions mm. was it that kind of thing and how do you deal with yeah. that well the social media side of it i was more than braced for because i get a fair share of that without pretending to shred 10, shred 10 grand anyway and most of the time from people with football shirts as their profile pictures so i was i was braced and used for that i was just like okay well we'll just have a bit more of that then and it's funny to me when they i get tweets from people like that being like oh i'll never buy tickets for your show or whatever and i think I would, there's not a world where I'd want you there. <laughs> no, exactly. like I've, 
curated a lovely group of people. I just like soft, gentle lesbians yeah. come to my show. <laughs> you would be so out of place there and you'd spoil it. So we don't want you there. So that's not a threat to me. That's de I'm delighted to hear that you yeah. don't want to be there. Uh, it's more um, that I was getting messages from my neighbours and friends and family who were saying, please don't do it. Or Josie Long, who I love, who's a brilliant stand-up. When I announced it, she sent me this article about the KLF saying they regretted it. And she said, just please don't do it. And I just said, I'm not going to do it. Like, it's all planned or whatever. I just told her. And she said, oh, I always knew there's something extra with you, Joe. But like, I had friends who were like super concerned about it, like thinking I'd misjudged it yeah. and all that. And I didn't want to tell too many people about it because they wanted to leak that I wasn't actually going to do it. And so it became a bit of that. And I got this ne message from my neighbor and she said, I can't, after I'd done it, and she said, I can't believe what I've seen on the news, Joe. Uh, I, I, I can't believe that you've destroyed that money when there's so many people that are in need. And I know it's nothing to do with me, but I'm shocked. And like, so people you respect, people that you yeah, like, people that you love, can, yeah. can misunderstand your intention. And yeah, that, yeah. That's a horrifying thought. And I replied to her, I said, um, I can't say much, but just trust me, things aren't as they seem. And she replied with, you haven't destroyed it, have you, you little bugger? <laughs> Which is great. So, yeah, uh, you know, I got round it, but like, yeah, I spoke to an, a friend of mine who lives a few doors down and he said that like he was getting messages from his friends being like, your neighbour's a real dickhead. And like, you know, the, there are people around me having to try and defend me yeah. and all of that. And I just felt the weight of that, I suppose. So but I, would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop it. You know, yeah. I would, I, I wouldn't not do it again. I've made my point as, as loudly as I I can in the position I'm in and I'll continue to because it's wrong what's going on and it's it's making human rights a debatable issue which it really shouldn't be it shouldn't be that remarkable extraordinary for me to say please don't kill me or people like me that shouldn't be some like oh well if they want to kill people in a different country you've got to respect that no I don't respect that I don't respect people being killed anywhere and what do you think about those kind of arguments that people are saying, well, it shines a light and we're going out there, yes, we are, but at least we can talk about the issues and bring it up. Here's the perfect analogy. My tour manager, I said this to my tour manager, and he said, that's like going on a KKK march, putting the hood on, <laughs> going on a few of them, and then again being able to say, oh, are we sure racism's a good idea? You can say that when you're not in the KKK march. Yeah. You can do that from the side. You don't have to go to the table and sit at the table, particularly if they've paid for the fucking table. Something like football, perhaps it shouldn't, it just shouldn't have been put in that particular country in the first place if you're worried about the particular human rights in that place. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, the, one of the arguments is like, well, you couldn't put it anywhere really if you were being very kind of purist about um morals or what you wanted in terms of you know you could yeah. put it in america because of abortion rights and i sort of buy that argument to some degree but it's like it's really bad. it's yeah. really bad in qatar you know like, like thousands of people have died it's like it's really it's particularly bad and um yeah i, I yeah. do would like to live in a world where it's the world cup is held in places that it's a really interesting argument isn't it because like i also don't want to be the sort of person that's like very prescriptive about how people live their lives i hate it when someone tells me how to live my life so i, you know, I don't no, want to tell other people how to get on with things but i do feel like human rights should be like something that we all adhere to and so not killing people based on their who they are 
is fair, should, I yeah, think. You know, I don't, I don't, a controversial you, know, you can get on with all sorts of other things. You can believe in all sorts of religions or whatever. I don't, I don't care about any of that, truly. I just think, get on with it. I don't mind. But the minute you start killing people and deciding that you're, it's your decision that people can be killed because of what your beliefs are, I think it's... I, I do draw the line at that. I don't think that's a, a particularly remarkable yeah. place to be, but it was, seems to be like, well, you know... You, you've got to respect them. I do, I do respect them. And I do think, you know, Qatar could be a beautiful, brilliant country. I'm sure there's lots of brilliant things about it. I've been there once and, yeah, you know, I went in 2015. I wouldn't go back again. I went with the comedy store and, you know, everyone was very nice to me. Uh, I was told not to, you know, be myself out in public. But, uh, you know, at the gig in the in the hotel, I was fine. That, that, you know, I got on for it. Like, yeah, so... It's so complicated when you are trying to have a moral compass in an extremely complicated world and often you can be accused of being stentorian or being patronising when in fact you're just trying to hold a line yeah. in, your, in your mind and in yes. your morality and, and, and you know, you're not... I'd love someone to persuade me that it's okay to kill people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd love someone to manage that because it makes my life so much easier. Oh, I'd never thought about it like that yeah. before. Because is that the alternative? The alternative is to go like, fine, carry on. Please kill more. Like, what, what's, what do you want me to do? Am I meant to be fine with this now? I think FIFA should consider putting the next World Cup at the site of the Mosley Folk Festival, to be honest. <gasps> think about that. that. Some decent fields yeah, there. Yeah. You could have proper kickabouts. You know, yeah. it, could, it could be like uh, Jumpers for Goalpost World Cup. Mm. I've already sidetracked us far too much away from the actual business of the festival, so we're going to have to get right back on track. But let's not even get into uh, the philosophical weight of the concept of money, which is something that we just skirted and touched on there. That's like a 75-hour, 75-part documentary, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Quantitative easing springs to mind. But we're not going to talk <laughs> about that now. What we're going to do, because I can hear Jody with his pen. Yeah. Uh, We've like got to this. get on with the festival. She's saying, what the hell's going on here? Laura Marlin finished ages ago yeah. no. so she was on at four wasn't she yeah. so we're, we're, we're now at like quarter past five quarter past five we are so who's it going to be at tea time it's a curveball mm. but I saw them at Lollapalooza in oh. Berlin a few years ago and I loved it Major Laser okay Major Laser and I'd happily have them like do what they do it's Diplo and all them that gang isn't it I'd happily have them with uh, loads of guest people on. Yeah. I'm thinking Whitney. Oh, my God. I'm thinking Adele, Bowie, uh, Britney, Celine Dion. Whoa. Take it easy, mate. As a kind of, let's get this party started. Yeah, yeah. Let's kick this off. Yeah. All the, the, the singers that you mentioned, of, of, of that particular clutch of uh, divas, uh, Whitney's my favourite. Mm. And this, I've said this before, perhaps on record, uh, that there's something about that woman, there's something about her voice, but then there's something about the power of, of her personality. I look back on that music and I look back on when she started and she, I mean, I'm quite an old fart now, I suppose, but she's only like 10 or 11 years older than I am. It's like what she managed to achieve. achieve. Yeah. But home, but um, I mean, just a, a voice from the heavens. Yes, yeah. you know, there's just no, there's the power she had in it, and the control and the skill, and it's just yeah, extraordinary. Some voices, I'd say Leanne Le Havis is a bit like this, actually. Mm. I've been sat up close and listened to mm. her. She has that kind of. It's a bit like if you're in a Ferrari, 
and you know there's so much more header there's so much so much more you can do yeah you're, you're driving at 100 <laughs> miles an hour and the, 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 you know the car's going yeah <laughs> i got at least another hundred that's exactly it. that's what yeah. it's like with, with singers like that isn't yeah. it what would the song be for for you let's say for whitney major laser they're essentially a backing band at this point mm. for all these different people it's got to be i want to dance with somebody hasn't it but i do love i didn't know my own strength that's um but that it's not quite as party banger as that oh how does it go now I'm getting it mixed up with, and then it's another absolute bang. It's a Mariah, okay. which is um, anytime you need a friend, I will be here. Okay, I'd love that as well, yeah. but with a major laser beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just modernize it a bit. Modernize it. I'd like her to do "I Who Have Nothing," saving all my love for you, <sighs> and uh, it's not right, but it's okay. I wanted yeah. to do three. Okay, should do th those three. Okay, so we've got Whitney and Bowie would be would be great to see Bowie Let's dance, wouldn't it? But with like Major Laser being oh, like, gee, yeah. I don't know, playing some lasers or something. What would, here's a weird one, like a, a bit of a, a sort of a curveball of a question, really. Music wise, do you think? Because I consider you something of a music expert. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that in the last twenty or so years, like pop and R and B have become more dominant over Indian rock? Yeah. Not Indian rock. I mean, indie and rock. Yeah. I mean, it's not that fashionable now to be like, if you were the kooks now. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed so hard there. I love the kooks. I'd, I'd like an ancillary tent later on where the kooks played nine. No, years. no, no, no. No, not you. your feel. Not for me. But they, they are, I think that sort of thing is starting to spill over. Like, who are the ones that do um, Life and Always Empty? Oh yeah, like uh, 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 what are they called? No, I do know this. Uh, uh, DC Fontaine's DC. Fontaine's DC. That, Life ain't always empty. Yeah, love God, that. They played that a lot on Six Music for a while. And I was like, "Yep, I get it. I, I love their it. second you, album." Lads. There's a lot of, I think it's called Spreckengang or something, which is German for like speaking, singing. Yeah, yeah. And there yeah, are a lot yeah, of like yeah. yard act and people like that mm. and dry cleaning. We, we've run out of decent names for bands a long time ago, obviously. Have, yeah, but yeah. some of them are Fontaine's quite Fontaine's DC is a cool name. That is good. But like they're the most sort of that, I would say, like kind of Arctic Monkeys, obviously were I mean the new album's less that but they were a bit of that but that that kind of um indie boys indie boys Camden skinny jeans yeah spiky hair yeah. like kind of I like it know, I like it but it's not it's not it's going out fashion. of fashion it's, a bit well it, I think it will come back in the next my prediction next 5 10 years it'll start to become more fashionable again but um I don't see it happening imminently yeah, yeah. it's definitely gone out of fashion and the fashion is now um yeah, grime and hip hop I'd yeah. say your Drake's Kendrick's your Stormzy's yeah. actually some of the music Stormzy I mean it'd be interesting to see a Fontaine's DC major laser mashup but we, I, I'm giving them an hour max for okay. their set so. I mean they've got a lot to pack and they've got, in they're, they're doing about what four Whitney songs yeah okay. there's a Mariah in there there's but a like Britney. a kind of, and some Bowie so like you know it's basically a super oop 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 mm. and actually uh, yeah I'm wondering whether they should have gone a little bit later but actually yeah, they should have gone really, but it's too late. I now. Think I've decided. It, don't, don't worry because it's you know what we could do. We could we could hold the festival a bit later in the year, so it's already gone dark. Yeah, I think that's perfect. important. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Winning's important to you in a funny way, isn't it? Yeah, it is, you, yeah. You, I, I don't want to make too many references to 
uh, the, the latest stand-up show, which, as I will continue to say, is an incredible and moving and sublime piece of work. Not ju- It's not just funny. It's more than that. But you had to win against certain people. You have to win against Alan Sugar. You have to win mm. against Greg. That's yeah. all I'm going to say yeah, about yeah, the new... Yeah. Can you unpack that for us a bit and then kill me for using the phrase unpack that for us? I think, weirdly, I'm quite alpha in that regard. I like to dominate. So you you are competitive. You see, yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I think it's that a bit of that, really. I think particularly when some... It, I mean, the stand-up show is about you know gay rights and all that, so if someone's ruffled my feathers in that regard... Um, <laughs> whoa betide. Whoa betide. But yeah, I think um, there's there's a sense of wanting to win. I don't know where it comes from. I don't really get it. Neither of my parents have the same thing, I don't think. But... Um, I think there's something fun about being like righteous and feeling like you're right and all that. There's something quite addictive about that. Sometimes it's, it comes out in good ways, but other times it's sort of just a bit ugly. Do you think that's the problem mm. with woke snowflake pricks like us? That we do see is the thing that gets people annoyed about us the fact that they think we're sanctimonious. Yeah. They, they think that we we think we know everything and they don't. We're patronizing. Yes. That's the problem, isn't and it? And also, just this, work, work you know, that we sort of feel like we, one, that we're right and who, who decided that we're right. Mm-hmm. And also, this sense that we're not human and that like we're infallible and we get everything correct. And it's one of the very effective ways of undermining people who are very sanctimonious is to find something that they've done wrong and cancel mm. them for it essentially yeah. or try and cancel them and like basically go, well, you were really righteous about this, this and this, yeah. but actually you... In 2011... Kicked a cat, so yeah. everything you've done that's good is undermined. Is um, that a fear that you live with? A little a- bit, yeah, but... um. I don't think there's anything I've done in my life that I couldn't explain or justify, yeah. you know, like at least within in a way that I'd be comfortable with. I don't think I've done anything. I don't deliberately go in to do things and go like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this terrible thing now. I don't, and I'll get things wrong. I'll do, I'll do things that I I'm, wish I hadn't done, but you kind of learn from it. Don't yeah. you say, so, no, I don't know. Not really, okay. but I'm sure someone will catch me out on something and I'll, it is terrifying. It's a little bit Orwellian now, isn't it? Okay, who are we with at this festival? And what I'd like you to do is mix up real people with, um, you know, fantasy guests, dead or alive, if you want. Dead or alive, Pete Burns. Ooh! Oh, Pete Burns is there. Yes. Pete Burns. Loads of just queers, drag queens. <laughs> I'd love you there. I'd love Greg James there. Greg, lovely Greg. I'd love Alice Levine there. Yeah. I'd love... Loads of my comedy pals. I'd love Catherine Ryan to be there and Ashley B and Romish Rang and Nathan. Oh my god! I mean, there'd just be piss everywhere. People would be urinating. They'd be they'd be losing control of themselves. There'd be so much laughter. All my celeb friends, because I'm a relatable celeb guy. And then all of my there's a big group of school friends that I love and adore, and I'd love all of them to be there. And then loads of my university pals as well. All of my friends from when I worked at the Manchester Palace Theatre. They're Thirsty boys and girls. What were you working as at Manchester Palace Theatre? I uh, I worked mainly behind the bar, mm. but I also sold ice creams for a little while. So did you do that thing where it's like, oh, uh, you had to get people's interval drinks ready and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I loved that job. It's really easy because like you only work for basically an hour, but you have to hang around while the show's on. So you just do you know texting or whatever, and then texting. That's it. So I'd want all of them there, family as well. You know, I, mean, I think mum and dad. 
dad would enjoy it. I think mum would prefer to just be at home or yeah. in the garden. So I wouldn't push her to go there. And I think my sister would be the same. I think she, well, I mean, she quite likes going to music stuff. So maybe she would go. I mean, I'd, if she wanted to be there, I'd love her to be there. But I wouldn't want her to be there if she didn't want to be there. Yeah. Oh, then loads of my friends, local friends, which I'm guessing they'll all be there anyway wow. because it's, you know, it's all we, my Birmingham pals. If it was a ticketed event, we wouldn't make much money. Because it's, I mean, it's mostly guest list, isn't oh, it? Oh, no, I'll be charging them all full price. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's see. We're, we're about to find out who's going to go on after this major, major laser uh, mashup. What time are we at now? Like quarter to six, something like that? Well, we've lost a bit of... What we've done is we've, give, we've given uh, major, major laser an hour and a half, though. And actually, though, you know, you want a bit of a gap there for people to go and get a bit of, you know, an extra drink. I'm saying that. seven. Seven o'clock, fine. Yeah. Yep. I'm saying seven o'clock for the penultimate act. Who's it going to be? Self-esteem, please. Thank you very much. Who sat literally where you're sitting now to do the lineup just a few months ago? Her star has just ascended so brilliantly yeah. after after a long time of, of us waiting for it to do that, mm. hasn't it? I saw I do this all the time somewhere. I think it was on Six Music, doing the rounds of Six Music years ago. Never heard of it. Two years ago, a year ago. Terrible station. <laughs> discovered that she was following me on Instagram so I followed her back and she one of us messaged the other and we just became friends and I didn't know the album and then got the album and really loved it and she came to Birmingham to the Hare and Hounds which is my local pub which is a music pub and did her show there 18 months two years ago something like that and she was like on the rise then but like it was you know the Hare and Hounds is like 100 or so capacity so it's not a huge gig and I was just blown away by it. I was like, this is so good. And in a small room. And I was like, this will scale up as big as you want it. Like this, but works at this scale. Like it's an, it's just amazing. I just think she's extraordinary. And I love her gang. I love the singers, dancers that are around her. She just has a lovely group around her. And um, And when they did Glastonbury, I watched it. I watched it on my iPhone because I was on the move. And I cried. I was like so moved by it. And I was so proud of all of them. And I just, uh, I could happily watch that show over and over again. I just really love it. And I think everyone that I've spoken to loves it. And she's just really fucking brilliant. And I would love her to be the penultimate act at my festival. I was actually there. I uh, couldn't get into the tent at Glastonbury for that uh, performance this year because it was so rammed. But it yeah. was it was red hot. It was beautiful, and I cried as well. Mm. My face was a mask of tears. Yeah, and the, especially the, the the Meadow Hall bustier that she had made. Yeah, which is just <laughs> if, if so you've not checked good. it out yet, you've got to look at it. On yeah, she's funny internet. as well. That's the only thing. She's sort hell. of just so talented, and and we we messaged quite a lot because she sort of. She's been so thrown into fame and her sort of level of fame and her kind of um, the things that she's being asked to do and whatever are not really relatable to me. I don't get asked to do similar things, but some some of this little bit crossover here. And I've been very touched that she sort of asks me for advice about things. And she got a bit of nastiness after she'd been on Sunday brunch, I think it was years ago. And I, you know, she was we were talking about it afterwards and. Uh, yeah, I, it's it, she's been in a real whirlwind, and she really seems yeah. to have taken it. She's been very honest about the experience and talking openly on her Instagram about how she's burnt out eight times this year and the demands of the music industry. I don't envy a lot of musicians for that process, but um, she's just been so honest about how yeah. her experience of it has been, and I think that's really cool. Do you feel that you you've got some 
control you've got a decent amount of control and autonomy over your career and, and over how you perceive and stuff i don't know it's in different ways i suppose but I'm under no illusion that I'm a chess piece to uh, a lot of the people that employ me. I'm, I'm definitely disposable of very quickly. But I also, I've kind of got to that point where if they, if it all ended tomorrow and everyone went, mm, we're not going to work with him again, I'd be so relieved. <laughs> like, let's have, let's, let's say something. Nice let's get cancelled. <laughs> that could yeah. be the name of the new podcast. Yeah, I sort of, and I think that's partly why I sort of quite enjoy skirting with being cancelled, kind of see what it's like, you know, like, let's see if everyone hated me and I shredded 10 grand, like, because actually, I think part I, of you could part do of me would like it. Yeah. With an extended nine year break yeah. and then you could just do like a, a sort of Daily Mirror double page spread in nine years' mm. time. I was in the wilderness for nine years, but I'm coming back with a fantastic new stage show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've always I've fantasised be... about doing that. Mm. A brilliant penultimate idea, though, self-esteem. We share a passion for Peter Gabriel, for instance. Oh, yeah. You know, or, or, or almost like musical songs sometimes. You know, there's a real drama in it, isn't there? Oh, God, I just thought about the Peter Gabriel cover of Heroes by David Bowie, and mm, can we incorporate that? We can't incorporate that into the major laser set. Oh, God. Well, why does, well I'll tell you what we could do, right? Just Peter Gabriel can just come out and do yeah, a quick uh, one. Yeah, this is perfect, because, because Rebecca is such a huge PG fan, <gasps> he could be part of her. She doesn't know it. Oh, and I'd love to hear her vocals on that as well. She'd be brilliant at Heroes. Oh, that's great. So we just usher. Jody brings Peter on just, <gasps> just as her last song's finishing. Yes, please. And then they sing Heroes. And it's it's great, actually, because David's already there because he's just been singing with Major Lazer. So they're all doing it. So they're all sort of there. Which brings us to the headliner. Uh, Do you know what? That moment when Rebecca would bring out Peter Gabriel and then on the other side, David Bowie, and they all as a trio sing Heroes. It'd be like, do you remember when Alexandra Burke was on the final of X Factor and Beyonce came out? I lost my mind. I wept like I didn't a know that had happened, actually. That's <gasps> a piece of pop culture that's, that's uh, what? I've, not, I've not picked up on. That is the, that's the best thing that ever happened on The X Factor. Is that, oh my God, is that when Alex, Alexander Burke cried in yeah, that sort of really like sort of uncontrollable way? And Beyonce didn't really know what to do with it. Funnily and... enough, I've got, I've been, I play that clip a lot off my cart war, but I never knew that was what it was part of. Yeah. Goodness me, they I'm did listen. Watch that when I go they on. did freaking listen on X Factor. You can see Cheryl Cole's lost it. They've all just lost it. It's huge. So what's it going to be then? PG, Rebecca and David walk off to huge applause. Everybody just nips off for a piss and a pint and mm. they come back for the headliner. Headliners, uh, well, not a curveball, but also a curveball in that I think you'd need at least three hours and it's Andrew Weatherall. Andrew Weatherall. Doing a three-hour set, I saw him again at the Heron Hounds. So I met Andrew Weatherall, Did and you? he was a friend of mine. Oh, I, I met him that. at a dinner party years and years ago, and he was a, a mutual friend. We had a mutual friend. I don't even know if he told me what he did, but we just like connected, and I was probably just talking about myself. And um, so I didn't really understand Andrew Weatherall as like and um, what people know know him as. So I just saw him as like this sort of um, 
hobbity bloke who just sort of emerged with this giant beard. And, Avuncular. Yeah, yeah, and just was just great and, you know, a real sort of laugher and thinker and just great company. And it took me years to see him live and see what he did. And there was something about it. I went with my friend and it was, at the start, it was awkward because there was sort of there wasn't that many people there and i told my friend always oh, an amazing dj apparently we we're gonna have a great time and then like we were just sort of stood there having a beer and just sort of it was a bit like going to someone's sort of birthday party and there's not that many people there and you're just sort of like looking around the room a bit i was like oh sorry i'm sure we'll get like just get going in a get bit going in a bit and then suddenly it didn't take long and we were, we were there like for the start you know suddenly I lost control of my body and I don't take drugs. Uh, I drink a lot of booze, <laughs> but I'm, I've never done never know, an ecstasy, MDMA man. or any of these things. I've never done any of it. But I just was taken over by the music completely. And the only other person that I've had it with is Giles Peterson. I saw him uh, DJ once and I just like whatever Andrew essentially wanted my body to do, he made, it, he made me do it. I was just like dancing for hours and happily and loved it and felt euphoric and so like in it you know and uh, i got it that yeah. night i was like uh i see why people have this man on such a pedestal and i was so glad that i'd spent years before seeing him live like not seeing him like that so i could know him as a person and then be like yeah. wow because otherwise i guess you'd have been a perhaps a bit starstruck if it was the other way exactly around. that yeah to... yeah and i just had no idea who he was and just had such a yeah such an appreciation for for that and i'd love to have seen him again but then he popped it so um uh yeah he God. died what two and a bit years ago now yeah but an extraordinary man and real passionate a passionate reader and like loves to but loved books and all of that. But then, yeah, what he did for music and how he he was just so his own thing. And we're talking about, you know, having your own autonomy over your career. Fuck me, Andrew did that. Yeah. You know, he was offered all sorts of things and he just went, fuck that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. He did it exactly how he wanted to. And Was he a bit of an, a, a sort of mentor inspiration in that regard, in a sense? I suppose so. I mean, you know, he didn't mentor me particularly. He came to shows and was very nice about things. You know, he was, he was a, a bit of a... I don't know whether he would describe himself as a fan, but um, he, he came to shows and was nice about them and came again. But um, I was always so impressed with the fact that he just got on with it in his own way and didn't take loads of money that I'm sure he's being offered at different points to produce albums that he didn't want to produce. You know, he just yeah. did the things he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. big fan. And love a three-hour set from Andrew to finish. Yeah, I love all that. And like stuff that kind of you know, builds with you. There's one of the things that Giles Peterson played, which I hadn't heard for ages, and I was like, this is a sort of classic version of that, where it's just something that just teases you for ages. Is that one, and I don't know what it's called, but it goes, da 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 oh, yeah, yeah. da and it, But it just starts so, like, just with a beat and whatever. It's like, like that. And that goes on for minutes. Like, you're there for ages. It's like a sort of soaker or something, isn't it? You know, a sort of Brazilian feel. And I was, like, dancing along to it, and I was like, this is unusual, because I hadn't heard it in full i'd heard that bit of it but i was like dancing and like we're all enjoying it and then when that hit i was like oh my god like just so oh so yeah so um i'm on i'm in i'm on board love it you're off at this juncture just to tee up the fact that you filmed it is called more 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 how do you license yeah just screamingly fucking hilarious but at the end 
you get very emotional. I yeah. got very emotional as well. Should we do that at the end of this festival? Should we make people cry in somewhere? I, I like a good cry. Mm, I'm really into it. I keep crying at things these days. What makes you go at the moment? A friend of mine showed me a quilt that her mum had made, and that made her <laughs> okay. cry. So because like, of all the love and the the time, that, that, I said the, it's a devotion. It's a wall it. of love. Yeah. that's what I I've just heard re- people say that about quilts before. Yeah, that that's about what quilts. they are. Yeah, I did a show yesterday, and this wonderful woman had knitted me a bobble hat that had got uh, one of my little catchphrases in it. CCC yeah. San Miguel. Oh, that, yeah. that made me lacrimose. Because <laughs> yeah. it is, it's just investment of time. Yeah, the... and that's it. It's the classic thing of like people being nice and nice things make yeah. me cry. And I think that's the end of my show. I cry at the end of my show because ultimately it's about people doing nice things and being supportive of one another and all that. And that's what gets me more than sadness and yeah. all that. I just sort of don't cry at things like that. I get cross really. I get sort of frustrated about sad things I go well it shouldn't be like that and then when things are lovely I go oh it's like a release it's like oh that's so beautiful do you you want me to hold you now or shall we wait until we've finished I need to piss well there you go that's that that's that's a different kind of expellation of moisture isn't it yeah to to end this particular podcast can I pitch a podcast (laughs) idea yeah not let's get cancelled with Sean and Joe well I mean, that, that's a thought. No, the idea is called Brown Hour, and you get guests on, and it's all about poo mm. and where they like to poo, best poos, worst <laughs> poos. Uh, the opening question is, have you ever done a poo where you've not done a wee? Oh, gosh, that's time. interesting. I think you always expel a little bit at the front. There's always a little wee, isn't there? And I think, I actually truly think that it could be a really good podcast, Brown Hour. And you'd get like first guest to be Dame Judy Dench. That's I honestly think that's got that's got legs. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea. What is the one thing that everybody does? Yeah. You know, I mean there's loads about sleep. That's yeah. too easy. Yeah. You know there's sleep, there's food. There's loads there's about sex. There's loads sex, about food. Relationships. None about, all of that. None I've about never poo. heard a podcast about poo. Excremental. We could call it. Or no, it's brown like. hour. Is it definitely going to be brown? Joe Lice, it's brown hour. Natalie says it's a shit idea. Fuck off, Natalie. I think, no, I think, I think I yeah, 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 you, you're it, a bit yeah. slow on that. But uh, brilliant idea. The brown hour, I think we should sell that to America. I think they'd, they're a bit more scatological than us. No, Serious I think it's a Radio 4 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't love to hear that? Yeah. King Charles does a Christmas special. Yes, on the throne. It's the new King Des- Charles. Yes, Desert yes. Island disc. It's that. It's, it's brown you, One of the best loaves I've ever pinched was actually in the House of Commons yeah. in 1997. Well, yeah. he has his own toilet seat that goes yeah, around with him famously. Of course so it's like a padded toilet seat. So he'd have plenty to talk about. Incredible. I don't know what to say except I'm blown away by that. You need a piss. It's been a wonderful and a gorgeous pleasure as always. Joe Lysett hates festivals festival. It's not King's Heath, it's Moseley. Yeah, so it's Moseley, which is the neighbouring area to King's Heath. Yeah. And it's this. It's like a private park and pool, so you, you have to subscribe essentially to, to use it okay. the rest of the year. But it's a very nice little gentle park. Starts 2.30 sharp after the Yorkshire pudding sandwiches. Alt-J, Jodie Whittaker, uh, but then she becomes the admin. Laura Marling, Major Laser with all those special guests, self-esteem with Peter Gabriel and David Bowie and Andrew Weatherall with a three-hour finish. Thank you so much for doing this, Joe. A pleasure. We can't wait to see you again in the flesh. In the meantime, I think it's about time you went for that piss. <gasps> yeah? Yeah? Yeah?
Thank you. And there we have it. Another vintage, by which I mean tremendous, lineup brought to you, I'm so proud to say, by Fender's American Vintage 2 guitar range. Recreations of the most iconic guitars from the 50s, 60s and 70s, my spiritual home, built to all the original specs. If it's good enough for Pike Smith, just saying. Head to fender.com forward slash the lineup to learn more. <laughs>